Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. This week, I got to chat about Quietus, a game of melancholy horror, with its creator, Ollie Jeffrey. Not only do we get to dig into what makes something a melancholy horror narratively, but the mechanics of the game use Blades in the Dark in a pretty cool way. Quietus is meant to be played as a one-shot, with one or two players and a GM. That's pretty different from the setup you may be used to with Blades, and Ollie takes us through how he's achieved that change. So let's get to the show. Hey there, heroes. This week, I am joined by Ollie Jeffrey, and we are going to talk about his game, Quietus, which uses the Blades in the Dark system. Hey, hello. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Awesome. I'm I'm very glad that you're here. I, I'm excited to hear about this project. We've talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit, but I would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, some places that you uh, heroes might know you from or projects that you've worked on? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Ollie Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might know me from some game design work in the Gauntlet's Codex magazine um mm. i've also done a lot of uh like rpg layouts so i did the layout for legacy life among the ruins and the first couple of volumes of codex i was a game chef finalist in 2016 uh for a game called uh clicks and hums and sirens in the sun uh which was about house music Ooh. and lost love and i oh wow and i won the lovecraft desk scenario competition uh with a lovecraft meets narnia scenario Ooh, that's very cool and congratulations also (laughs) thank you all right so quite as we talked about as being a horror game it sounds like you've done Mm. some some spooky horror things before then with this lovecraft sure yeah no no absolutely horror is is my jam as the saying goes um I, i i i love horror gaming um but i think that the the more modern kind of horror movies that are coming out mm-hmm. at the minute, specifically stuff that's come out over the last decade or so, um, yeah. haven't really been represented. So things like uh, Oculus and uh, oh. The Babadook and those those movies which mash up tragedy and horror, and not in a sort of like something horrific and tragic has happened, but in the sort of people are trying to deal with their grief and then something else happens that just makes things even worse from there. Oh, it's a wow. very cheery game. Yeah. <laughs> I I am not very familiar with the the horror movie scene, I will admit. So that's something I didn't realize that was kind of a trend that we were experiencing. I, I think so, Pete. There's there's been a lot of talk about uh elevated horror, which I don't really like that term because it basically just means horror movies that critics like. Mm. Which it's it's kind of it's kind of a little bit snobby because there's always been yeah. like quality horror movies. Uh but I think there was there was a French new wave of horror in the sort of early two thousands to about two thousand eight, uh, which did had sort of like a, a slasher bent, but also with the sort of the the tragic backstories, and it was it was kind of there was some quite extreme violence, but there was also that French artsy kind of melancholy uh, style to it, and then after that they. Uh, some American films, particularly the work of like Mike Flanagan, um, brought in supernatural elements, but keeping keeping that same element of tragedy underneath it. So it's it's kind of real people dealing with real people problems, and then also ghosts. Suddenly, ghosts. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. 
I guess like just scaring folks wasn't enough. We have to just <laughs> yeah, actually to rip our bad. hearts out at this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, that is horror. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, the the haunting of Hill House, uh, which is the, mm. the recent Netflix series, is a really good example of that as well. Yeah, I heard really good things. It's it's um, really good and really sad and really scary. Mm. I I jumped and I cried. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day I'll be brave enough. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. So with with all of this in mind, um what's the what's like the elevator pitch for Quietus? Okay, yeah. So Quietus is a uh, it's a role-playing game of melancholy horror. It is a it's a one-shot game. So it you will create characters from from scratch, create a scenario from scratch. It's completely mm-hmm. no prep as long as you've kind of, Ooh. you know, read read the rules or as long as the GM <laughs> has read the rules. Uh it's no prep. You yeah, can go into that it. Helps. Yeah, uh, you can go into it, uh, from scratch with, with, with nothing. Um, the character creation is just handled by a few questions and it kind of sets up the whole scenario from there. And it is a, it's a game that's, yeah, I said melancholy horror. So there's, there's that real tragic element to it, but it's also desperate horror. So it kind of goes in between these really intense, scary scenes in the present. And then people can flash back to sad, maudlin stuff that's happened in the past, uh, which is a entertaining if that's, you know, your bag, which mm-hmm. it is mine. Uh, but also, um, it, it grants mechanical bonuses because with one shot games, you don't really have like XP or anything or any of those kind of like cookies that you give yeah. people to role play in a certain way. Um, so in order to kind of get people to engage with the mechanics, you get bonuses for framing scenes that sum up that kind of that, that subgenre of horror. Oh, wow. So it being it being a, a game that you can play as a one shot, um, was that something that you wanted from the beginning? Was that important that this be able to be played that way? Yeah, absolutely. Because the the kind of story that I'm trying to tell, I mean, mm-hmm. it, is they don't tend to, with the exception of Haunting a Hale House, the, the recent Netflix series, they don't tend to be extended stories. Um, when you've got mm. games like. Uh, say Call of Cthulhu or, or Cult or Chill or Vampire, they're all kind of extended stories because they come from, they come from the role playing hobby. First of all, like Call of Cthulhu, they didn't particularly want to do a, a horror RPG when they, when they brought that out. They just wanted to do something set in the 1920s and Lovecraft's mm. IP was available. So they, they used that, but that's, uh, that's, n- Generally, you don't have those kind of like long extended horror stories because if you know your character is going to survive for the rest of the campaign, you lose a certain amount of tension. Like no one goes in. I mean, yeah, people can get killed mm. by dice in D and D, but that doesn't tend to be the way. You, you kind of you, you walk into the orcs right. fortress knowing that you're pretty much going to come out victorious. Uh, whereas you you go into a horror film and you're tense because you know that most of the characters in it are probably going to die. And I wanted something which, which brought that to mind. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind, uh, sorry, the other thing that I should mention is that it's, it's a small party games. Uh, and I don't mean party game as in, uh, like a dinner party game, because that'd be a hell of oh. a depressing dinner party. Uh, but in terms of, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's for a GM and either one or two players, uh, because one of the Ooh. things I noticed in these, in these films, is that it's usually around a couple because that um, that allows you to 
really focus on those two people, really engage on their emotions with each other. And also it really builds tension because when you have, say you have a a slasher movie, like a, a Friday the 13th movie or something like that, when someone dies, it breaks tension. And you have a, a sort of a big cast of disposable characters that you don't really care about that much. And when, when they die, you know, one or two might be, might be sad, but mostly it's there for sort of just the, the yucks and the tension and the, and the scares. It's that roller coaster thing. Whereas when you only have one or two mm. characters, it's really heartbreaking when they die. So, um, spoilers for quite an old movie, but when, when the couple die at the end of the strangers, it's, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Oh wow. I don't. Okay. That that's awesome. Um, you're gonna have to play this game with Jeff on Party of One if you haven't. I, I have already. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a Party of One episode coming out for it uh, fairly shortly. Ah, excellent. That will be exciting. Thank you. So, with the intent of it being a a one shot game, mm. and with with such a small party, why Blades in the Dark? Yeah, because it's a it's famous for being quite a like a, a weighty system. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of moving pieces. Lots. Of, it, it's meant to be a campaign. Absolutely. It's meant to be a longer play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I and lots of Blades in the Dark fans might disagree with me now and and, and be shouting at the at the, at the podcast <laughs> uh, or the, the podcast. Don't add us. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, but it's it does have lots of moving parts, but they don't necessarily have to click together. So the uh, I think it's, it's even in the, the book itself. There's a, there's an essay mm-hmm. on, uh, the score game and the, the long-term game and the, the long-term game where you're advancing your, uh, your claims and you're, you're working up your crew's reputation and all of that sort of thing is kind of a separate almost mini game to the scores, which are the, the kind of the intense action. And so Quietus really focuses just on what in Blades in the Dark would be the, the score section, which actually do usually get done in a session or sometimes even half a session. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they're linked together with the downtime and with, uh, with the score game and kind of deciding where you're going to go next. But those, those individual scores where you're trying to steal something or assassinate someone or transport some spirit essences, um, depending on your crew, they can get really intense and they can get, if stuff goes wrong, they can get kind of scary. And they're done shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually came out of a Blades in the Dark session. I think one of the first sessions that I ran, which went quite badly because I, uh, I pitched it way too hard. So there's a, there's a section mm. in the book about how you, how you pitch it, how soft or hard you want to go with it, how sort of like pulpy versus realistic you, you want to go. And I was just way too harsh in all of the difficulty roles. And it just, it kind of felt like a horror movie. So I kind of, that that just started festering in my in my in the back of my brain somewhere uh <laughs> and then i was i was lucky enough to to find a, a playtester when it was just kind of like a, a a one sentence idea in my brain that was like i think we can develop this from here and it's it's gone from there excellent so then heroes who might be familiar with playing a blades game know that you know you've got the scores you've got downtime you've got all of these all of these scenes that you're doing and these um clocks that you've got mm-hmm. going all that just lots of things happening usually um so what would a a game of quietus like scene wise i guess how um how does it usually run okay sure so uh you start off with the the character in the scenario creation uh and the the characters okay. are 
they're just generated via a series of questions. You don't have any, well, you don't have any variable stats. So there's questions like you're in an isolated place, uh, where, uh, why are you here? Tell us why it pains you to be here. Uh, something went wrong yesterday. What is it? And the, both the scenario and the and the characters build up from there. We find out who the if there's two players, we find out what their relationship is to each other, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of takes the place of what would be Act One in a in a horror movie or the sort of the beginning of the novel. And then once you you jump in and the the GM has has decided on the opening scene, that opening scene is kind of like jumping straight into the second act of the movie. Um, and you jump in at, mm, okay. you jump in at the point that stuff is going wrong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, when stuff starts going wrong, that's, that's when you, <laughs> that's when we start. Um, so it's, it's your regular role playing game kind of conversational stuff. Um, and then when some, mm-hmm. when the players do something that could go wrong or when they do mm-hmm. something that could attract, say, the killer or the ghost or whatever the horror is in this case, attention, um, they roll. Um, and in Blades in the Dark, you would normally roll with whatever your, your ability was, um, whatever your action dice was, I should say. Uh, whereas here mm. you start off with one dice and, uh, you can only ever go up to three. The ways that you can mm. raise those dice, uh, so similar to Blades in the Dark, uh, you can push yourself, uh, you can get help from another player or an NPC. Um, but the, the, the key, the key mechanic in, quietus is that you can do something called revealing a scar which is you can uh, bring in an element or introduce a side character uh, because by default the only characters in the game are the player characters and the bad guy essentially uh, so if you want to bring in a side character you have to do this thing called revealing a scar if you want to bring in a helpful element you have to uh, reveal a scar and that means to uh, to work up and tell with the the gm a a sad, a melancholy story that somehow relates to the current scene. And then when you do that, you get an extra die. Ooh. Yeah. So the, the, so it kind of goes in between the, and it's a, a, it has to be a sad story from your character's past. So it goes in between, it goes in between sort of like really desperate action in the, in the present and then kind of cutting back to just like sad stuff that has led the characters here. Yeah. Just the most miserable flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah, oh, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer of a game sometimes, uh, but in yeah. a but in a good way. It's it's not necessarily fun, but it can be enjoyable. I, I suppose. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's doing the best thing on a on a what what's supposed to be a promotional interview. Uh, but uh, but no, it's it's uh, mm. yeah. No, no, I think that's great. I think that there's definitely like, I mean, you're, you're pitching this to role players. We, we love failure and misery. And I think this is perfect. Like there's, there is the crowd out there that is desperate to play this for sure. Thank you. There is hope. There is yeah. literally a, a score called hope. There's uh, the scores called hope and despair. And each of those can build up as a result of uh, successful or failed roles. And if your hope gets to gets to a certain number it's it's five in the in the current version of the rules uh then your characters escape or any characters that are left over uh, escape or defeat the killer or whatever seems appropriate in the fiction um oh nice and you share that between you so you can you can build that up between you and any any role that is likely to build hope so say you are so you're, you're scrambling to find the the keys before you're caught to to a car that would help you get away uh that could potentially raise your hope uh 
but there is also a constantly building score of despair uh, and that is uh, mm-hmm. that's relevant to not relevant uh, each character has their own despair score and if their despair hits the threshold then that character is dead they are they're at, they are out of out of the out of the picture at that point mm. uh, and it, oh, wow. it tends to be um and i've i've tried to tune the 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 rules towards this that both of them are on four towards the end of the game and it tends to come down to one vault that's happened that's happened several times um, oh my gosh um so it does end up in that that very tense final moment yeah I, I can imagine that, like, honestly, it going either way being very satisfying in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and especially when it looks like it's going to go one way and then it goes the other. There was, uh, a, a, yeah. a game I played where it just looked like they were going to get away and then it just down to the, the last roll, it just all went horribly wrong. And it was really sad. And we all kind of just sat there for a little while uh, afterwards, kind of going, ah, oh, but that was good. But, ah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. And the the other mechanic, which which is borrowed more or less directly from from Blades in the Dark, is uh, mm-hmm. anxiety, which kind of replaces stress in in Blades. So you can, whenever you reveal a scar or whenever you push yourself, you're you're constantly pumping up that anxiety. And then when that hits a certain level, you you panic. And when you when you panic mm-hmm. in the game, you can't spend any more anxiety. So that's your your roles are going to be that much worse at that point um and all of your roles have to be desperate at that point so that's both mechanically which means that the all of the consequences are going to be that much worse when when you fail and also in the in the narrative so you have to you have to portray your character panicking from that point onwards excellent (laughs) i I bet it's fun to watch Uh, yeah Uh yeah it is so I have asked this of folks uh, who do Powered by the Apocalypse games, mm. and I, I'm curious to ask this here. Is there or or was there at any point when you were, you know, working on paring down the system to make this game? Mm-hmm. In your opinion, is there any piece mechanically that you can't remove because doing so would just it wouldn't be a, a Blades in the Dark game anymore? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think there is. I think the I think the the stress track that you have, um, which mm-hmm. remains more or less intact in this version, I think that having a I forget who it was that said it, but it's a very pure expression of hit points as a timing device because you know you only have so much to spend, but you decide when to spend it. Uh, so hit points as a timing mm. device and say D, you know you can you're probably going to be able to go up against x number of goblins before they whittle you down but it's not really up to you it's up to the dice it's up to the gm whereas in blades in yeah. the dark and in quietus you get to decide when it is that you spend this you get to decide when to push yourself um and it's that it's that risk reward you get to res- decide when you reveal those scars so i think that's essential to to blades and i think the the three levels of difficulty with the uh with increasingly dire consequences basically i think that's i don't think it's necessarily essential to keep that but it it certainly that was one of the things that attracted me about the blades in the dark system so you can i describe yeah. it in quietus as uh how loud are the strings on the soundtrack right now so it goes in between uh, un- uneasy tense and desperate and quite often i find that players end up pushing for more desperate roles even when i would maybe hold back on that and they're like no no this is this is definitely desperate because they want to they want to see how badly this can go wrong at that point yeah i like that i like that description a lot so when when did you start working on quietus Uh, i think i've been working on it for just over a year 
Um, so it, as I say, it, uh, the very sort of like one line pitch for it just kind of popped into my head that I could, I could tell this sort of story using, using Blades in the Dark. Um, yeah. because of those flashbacks, it particularly, um, in the, mo- the movie, The Strangers, it goes in between these, uh, the sort of the, the couple being terrorized by these, these three masked intruders. And then it mm-hmm. cuts back to what happened at the, the wedding they were just at. Cause when they turn up, they're in kind of like, um, they're kind of dressed to the nines because they've just been at a friend's wedding and he proposed oh. to her, but she said no. And then they get back oh. to the, the cabin and he's got it all laid out for like kind of this romantic weekend, but they're probably going to break up now and then also murderers. Uh, and so that's <laughs> that dichotomy between, um, the, the tragic flashbacks and the, the kind of in the now desperate action. I immediately went, well, Blades in the Dark could do that. Uh, so I, I yeah. found Donna McCarthy, uh, was, was kind enough to kind of, uh, sit with me through a slightly stop starty hour to, to see how that went. Um, but there was, there was a game there at the end of it. It was, you know, it's changed a lot since then. We've really pushed forward on the, on the scars, uh, and how those work. So some parts have been taken out, like Devil's Bargains were in there to start with. They got taken out. Um, mm, okay. because devil's bargains in blades in the dark are, I often they're best when they kind of relate to something that's going to come back and bite you later. And we didn't have, right. we didn't have time for that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and the, the best, the, the best moments of it have tended to come from those scar sequences. So I've tuned the rules so that that's kind of the more likely option. That's kind of like the most efficient option, uh, in order, in terms of getting extra dice, because it's, it's the one that I want the players to choose most of the time, as long as it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So been play testing and, and tuning for, for just about a year, a, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it online, but also a couple of, couple of face to face, um, but that's really handy that you can just play test online and suddenly it would have been, it would have been okay. much harder to, to find play testers say 10 years ago because, you know, my, my face to face role playing group, well, role playing circle is quite small. Uh, but then suddenly mm-hmm. you have something like, like the gauntlet of world 20 and then suddenly you can just find, uh, lots of, uh, very in sync people who are, who are happy to, to play test. And I'm very grateful to them all. Yay. Oh, that's really good. And I, I love hearing about. Uh, playtesting and how that impacts the game that you're working on. Um, mm. did, did playtesters do anything that surprised you? Yeah. One of the, the fairly late, uh, playtests turned kind of into an action movie, which was, was not, was oh. not the intent at all. It, and it wasn't the, it wasn't the player's fault. Just the dice just came up super successful time after time, which, uh, which hadn't happened previously. <laughs> But it was over very quickly and it was over in a way which wasn't, it wasn't doing what the game was meant to do. It was still a fun time because I had fun playing with those players, but it was, it was, it was suddenly like a, well, like a kind of an action revenge movie, which is, which is very much not what it's meant to do. It's meant to feel much riskier than that, I I think. So, um, so I had to tweak the rules quite a lot after that uh, to make sure that it always remained that. That that level of tension was always remained. That it couldn't suddenly be deflated by kind of like a couple of successful roles. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That's got to be that's got to be a very delicate thing to balance then too, because you do want to have that hope. Yeah, that that things could could turn out kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If you don't have if you don't have hope, if you're not building towards something, then it's it's just depressing. It's this is it's not like 
this isn't right. like the the Michael Haneke role playing game. Uh, so it's, it's if you don't have hope, you can't be scared effectively because yeah. then you're just depressed. Then it's just kind of like a, a waiting game. Um, so you need to have the ability to do something about your situation in order to feel tension, I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What are, what are some of the, uh, the scenarios since it's, since it's, um, a game that you're building kind of the movie all together. Mm. You're building those scenarios. What kind of scenarios do your players come up with? Uh, okay. So we had one recently, which was, uh, there was a night watchman and a squatter at an abandoned factory. Uh, and the, the factory was just about to be demolished. Uh, and all of the, the people that had died there over the, the years that, that, that factory grounds had been there were were coming back to maintain the place that that kind of held their spirits there. Quite mm-hmm. often, it goes to a kind of a at slasher horror is the wrong is kind of the wrong term, but that kind of that right. that stalker horror. Um, mm, okay. So there was a, a really successful one we did where there were a couple of siblings that were they were hiking across some some woods in Norway. Uh, as a tribute to their late father and then just a completely random guy uh started harassing them and it just kind of got worse and worse from there uh so it ten it tends to be that kind of like the sort of situation that could occur turns up quite turns up quite frequently so sort of like you you are somewhere it's already not good and then just some someone worse just turns up uh but it does do it does do supernatural stuff as well so we did one which was uh, mm. a couple that had uh fled to alaska after a, a bank robbery uh and were haunted by the um by the the spirit of their friend who died in the in the robbery Ooh. it wasn't bank robbery actually <laughs> so it was it was just they'd no because it was it was much more scuzzy and also sad than that they'd actually they'd robbed one of their grandparents oh geez uh, (laughs) i know yeah no it was yeah and we didn't just uh, we didn't know that until quite a way through it when when one of the players revealed that in a uh in in one of the scar scenes yeah um that's but the uh it, it is good yeah when uh yeah so there was uh, and then it, it turned out that the grandparent was haunting them as well. And we, we kind of built up ghosts. Uh, there were more and more ghosts as it, as it went on. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, indeed. You always need more ghosts. Um, but there are going to be, there's going to be a few kick, uh, quick start scenarios, uh, included mm. in the, um, in the book as well. I've written one which is, um, inspired kind of by the Haunting Hill House, but, but taking it in a different direction. So it'll still surprise people that have seen that series. It's not, it's not exactly that, but just kind of tonally. It, yeah. It's that it's a, uh, a couple, um, of sisters who go to, um, back to their father's house after their, their father's passed, uh, in order to, um, in order to sort through his stuff, but there's something waiting for them in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh we've got uh we've got quite a few exciting stretch goal authors who are going to come on and do some more scenarios for the game as well Ooh, we'll have to hear about those in a little bit yeah uh, yeah sure cool the the scenarios if if you're not comfortable kind of in that very improv heavy intros they will answer all the character creation questions for you they'll give you an idea of where to start and they they kind of define the horror so if you want to do like something truly no prep as long as you've read the 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 rule summary you can just go straight from there nice then i uh was curious you the the game as it is plays a a small group 
Um, was there yeah, a point in the process where it played a larger group? And if so, what was that like? Uh, no, I thought about it. Uh, yeah. But the even with two people, the the balance shifts uh, shifts really far mm. towards them um, being able to build up the hope because hope is shared between the the players, whereas despair is per yourself. Um, oh. So it's even with the two. With one or two players, you you hit the same themes, uh, but with two players, you're more likely—not necessarily likely, but more likely—to to make it out of it in a in a with a positive outcome. Um, mm. When when I, I played it on party of one, and uh, Jeff uh, did manage to get his his hopes go up to to five, so he technically won. Although we, the way that we've been building the the character up, he was such an awful person that we kind of decided that actually he was the bad guy at the end of this. And oh, nice. the the ending that we came away with was actually we actually ended up sympathising for the person that was that was stalking him at that point um, because he was he was, <laughs> he was such a bad guy and this person had been, had been really badly wronged. So yeah, you can still hit those seams with with one, but I think the minute you have the minute you have more than two players, you lose you you kind of get into slasher territory and you oh you, yeah okay you don't you don't have that same you don't have that same focus um, and the 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 kind of media that in, that inspired this game because there's only two people you know that they can't die till the end so it's just a constant constant build of dread you know there's going to be no mm. real release of that there's 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 nothing that's going to make you there's nothing to make you feel relaxed it's just a constantly building dread and tension and all of the all of the scores in the game start uh, and that's scores as in kind of stats rather than scores in the the blades in the dark heist scores style uh they all start at zero and build up so it's constantly building everything up and up and up and up and hopefully that that kind of emulates that that building of tension yeah okay that makes a lot of sense that's cool thank you uh, is is there anything else uh, about the mechanics of the game that you want to touch on? Yeah, I, I wanted to get some more genre emulation in. So when oh. you when you get help from from a character, you can get help from either one of the the main characters, or you can get help from a side character like an NPC. But when you when you do that, if you fail, the NPC is very likely to die. Or even if you get like a mixed success, the NPC is very likely to die. Um, oh. So. So it's like the there's a, a classic trope in these sorts of movies where there's the policeman that turns up and you think everything's going to be okay, but then it's not okay oh, and they're yeah. dead. But you have the police car now, and yeah. it's like you can you can kind of get away. So it emulates that, but that's actually that's given us some of the the saddest scenes that we've yeah. that we've done in the game because these these people and it's not even their story and they're just kind of mm-hmm. dragged into it and then suddenly dragged under it essentially yeah. yeah so you can get you can get to some really dark places if you really want to play up the uh play up the side characters play up the npcs and and who are just there having their own little lives and then suddenly you've come into it with your game of quietus and ruined everything Oof. <laughs> <laughs> poor innocent helpers just <laughs> i know i know but that that is it is it is dangerous business being a side character in a horror story mm, that is very true oh, so let's see how about how about some um some some good innocent helpers that are, are not going to die the the kickstarter that that is a fabulous segue yeah, there you go. <laughs> Doing what I can. <laughs> so let's see. This episode will be up in June at some date. 
Mm-hmm. to be determined that's cool. um so when is the kickstarter running uh so the kickstarter is going to run for the the breadth of june so it'll launch on that's june okay. 1st and run for run for 30 days excellent so it, this will be this will be airing while it this kickstarter is live um and you've already teased that there are some some guest writers yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what are what do we have to look forward to uh so we've got uh jason morningstar is is writing a uh he's writing a scenario called uh the putnam uh, which is mm. kind of a I'm trying to think how best to describe it. It's a bit like Get Out meets Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, where there are there's a, a couple, uh, a pregnant couple who are they've they've moved to the city and they were trying to find somewhere to to stay. They couldn't find anywhere, and then they suddenly find this apartment, which is way out of their should should have been way out of their price range, but suddenly they can afford it. Uh, but there's just a there's a horrible cult in the in the building that is that is after their baby. Uh, it's it's okay. it's really dark and scary. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Jason's doing that. One shot's own Alex Roberts is is doing. I think the the most Alex Roberts pitch possible, which is kind of like a sexy Babadook. Uh, okay, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, which is, and there's a the the line that she pitched to me was the thing is it really likes you even as it eats you alive it whispers your name softly which as I say is I think the <laughs> the, the most Alex Roberts yep. horror pitch possible. Uh, Nel Nel Raban is is doing a uh, who people might know from Home Again, which is um, it's a in development uh, PBTA game that she has, which is about marginalised people returning to their homeland, uh, and that's that's excellent. And I as soon as I read that, I wanted to have her on board, uh, and she's doing a, a scenario about Filipino mythology. Uh, and so that's about a couple Ooh. of, um, Filipino Americans who are visited by, there's this creepy legend of these three strangers who will knock on your door and, uh, basically give you bad omens. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, yes, yes, that has to be, that has to be a scenario oh. in here. And what else have we got? Uh, so there's lots of other people that I want to announce later on. Uh, once yeah. you know, once I'm trying to drum up a bit more, uh, drum up a bit more for the the, the mid the mid campaign slump. That yeah. is that's an, build, build that hype <laughs> exactly absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's there's some uh, there's some very exciting people coming that uh, I, I kind of as soon as they started bringing in their pitches, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to see their stuff published more than more than mine now. I just I just want the scenario. <laughs> to be a thing uh so people so people have to do it really out of responsibility that you kind of have to back it now so that yeah. so that i can commission these people it's not for me it's for them really for sure <laughs> these need to happen Ooh. i i need I need to read all of these spooky things exactly yeah yeah and it will keep me up at night um <laughs> and yeah, it's it's such a it's such a, a wide variety of spooky things as well, which is which is really cool. It's stuff that I wouldn't have thought of, um, which is great. Yeah, it's, it's it's great to get that kind of um, yeah that variety of voices in there. I think it's really going to help it. Yeah, I I think that's one of the the most fun parts about getting guest writers for for your your work mm. is they they have these thoughts that just never in a million years would have crossed your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like um, sexy Babadook is not something that would have would have come to me, but as soon as right? I heard it, I'm like, yep, yep, no, that's going in. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's perfect and it's absolutely the thing that would occur to Alex Roberts. You are correct, <laughs> <laughs> and that's so. I'm glad that we have her in the world, yeah, um, to think these things for us. <laughs> Let's see what else should we know about the Kickstarter. There are 
there's going to be some really cool um, sort of like higher tier pledges. So you're going to be able to get uh, a PDF, softcover, hardcover, uh, kind of yeah, as your as your standard pledges. But at some of the the higher levels, I've got uh, the the cover artist uh, Thoi Tran. She has uh, agreed to do some unique covers. So on the on the front cover of the the book, uh, we have the you know it's it's this really lovely design that she's done of uh there's the the couple and then there's the the mask killer and one of the the pledges that you can do is specify what the mask looks like and have a copy of the book which is the only copy of that book that you can then have oh wow yeah so i'm I'm very excited about that um and the art's lovely so uh yeah we've got uh thoi tran has done the cover art and uh kasha prinzing is doing the the interior art uh and we've so we've gone between this uh, really lovely painterly style on the outside and this really nice uh, kind of illustrative, striking, uh, high contrast style on the inside that I think is a, a nice balance. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you. Future me will be uh, looking at the Kickstarter images, as should everyone else. Um, <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> Thank you. a delight, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they are. Um, they are very, very pretty. Um, I, I, I assure you that the game is going to be as good as well. Uh, but, but for the minute, the thing that you can actually see is the, is the images and let's, we'll, we'll just hope that the game is as good as the images, as the images are because they are, they are beautiful. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there, there will be. It sounds like people have had some very intense experiences already with this yeah, game. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I will say it's a, it's a really easy game to GM. So it's, it's one of the, the few games because I always get the, uh, I'm sure most most people do. I, I don't know if you do, but the kind of the GM jitters before I'm going to run something. Yeah. But because I know it's it's absolutely no prep, and also because it's short, which helps. It usually runs like an hour and a half to two hours max. Um, oh, nice. I, I can run it. I can, I can kind of run it at the drop of the hat. I mean, I, I wrote it, so I should be able to run it without getting the rules. But <laughs> you you have a slight advantage. I, I do, but it's. <laughs> It's my favorite system to run mm. right now, and I wouldn't want to, much like if I was writing a song, I wouldn't want to write a song if I didn't think it could be someone's favorite song. I, yeah. And this is my, my favorite game to run right now, and I wouldn't want to put out something that wasn't wasn't my favorite game to run right now. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, man, that's, you could get two of those games in a con slot. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So we will have links then, of course, to the Kickstarter. Um if if Jeff's episode is up, we'll link that too. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I think that should be coming out near near the start. I think that's due to drop on about the fourth. Perfect. Any any other things that you want to leave us with about Quietus? I think if you're looking for looking for something that's for the the horror fans that you know that aren't necessarily role players, if you if you kind of because role playing has in in the pop cultural world, um, it's I mean it's lovely to see D and D get this resurgence through say Stranger mm-hmm. Things and stuff like that. But it's it's even more than it was before. Kind of brought back the idea that role playing is exclusively elves and orcs. And and don't get me wrong, I love elves and orcs, but it's it's not the whole right. It's not the whole breadth of the of the hobby. Uh, yeah. So because the mechanics are so light, you can kind of explain the the core of the mechanics in I don't know maybe five ten minutes. It's it's a good way to get people that are interested in telling horror stories and interested in telling telling sad stories and freaking each other out and telling something that they can remember for a while, but aren't necessarily hardcore role players. It's, you know, it's five questions, five or six questions to generate your characters. Does, 
you only ever rolling three dice, it's D6. So, you know, everyone's got some D6 hanging about. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a low, low investment game in terms of, in terms of time and learning and explaining it, honestly, as well. Um, so, yeah. so I think it's good from that angle. I think it could be, it could, it could find some, it could find a home with people who aren't into role playing, but are into horror and tragedy. Uh, yeah. So goths, basically. <laughs> yes. As, and I was thinking too, it's the smaller audience involved in this game is probably, um, helpful too for folks who are maybe don't play role playing games or haven't done this before. It's, uh, maybe a little bit less embarrassing to play with a trusted friend instead of a whole group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I have a, a friend who, um, she's just started role playing, but she has some confidence issues. But when we were playing Quietus, uh, she felt a lot, she felt a lot happier to, to improvise and talk in character, stuff like that, because it's just a couple of people. It's just yeah. like two, three people. Um, and it's a, yeah. it's a really handy pickup game as well, because it's, you know, it's, it's an hour and a half, two hours maximum, um, quick to explain, quick to get into, no prep. So if, if a game has mm-hmm. fallen out, it's really good for that sort of game as well. Nice. Oh, so for all of your shy goth friends, yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> yeah, to play with them. <laughs> yes, and and as a former shy goth, I am I'm very happy about that. Yay! Oh, I'm happy too. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're not shy anymore, uh, where can <laughs> heroes find you on the internet? <laughs> uh, I am mostly on Twitter these days, so you can find me uh, at O Jeffrey, which is O J E F F E R Y. Um, which, and I'm under the name Sinister Beard, uh, because I have a ridiculous goth beard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, you can also find me on, uh, the Blades in the Dark forums and the Gauntlet forums and anywhere that people are talking about role playing games. Um, there's a, uh, uh, there's a pay what you want adventure for dungeon world up on drive through that I've written as well, which is, uh, so if people want, kind of want to get uh, the, the vibe for the sort of stuff I write, that's, that's on there. You can just go grab that nice and quick. And that is described. Mm. It's called the foulness that came to Dunfell township. And it's, uh, described as, Ooh. I think I call it, uh, Lovecraftian oozing and Cronenbergian body horror in dungeon world. All right. Yeah, it's it's that that one is is more towards the end of silly and grace because you know there's a time for silly and grace as well. Absolutely, there is. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll have all of those links in the notes. And Ollie, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely. Huge thanks again to Ollie for being on. And of course, go check out the links to the Kickstarter in the show notes. We've also included a link to the Party of One episode so you can hear how the game is played. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit oneshotpodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>